Hi, this is Al Milgram, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 87 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbanis, and... As always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. Hey, Bob. Because I'm bad. I'm bad. You know it. Oh, yes, I'm bad. I'm bad. You know it. You know I'm bad. I'm bad. Come on, you know it. And the whole world has to answer right now. Just tell you once again, who's bad? You're bad, Rick. (laughs) <laughs> bad at singing <laughs> <laughs> Woo! that was uh quite a treat quite a treat <laughs> well that was a little michael jackson bad um and you may ask uh okay why is that the greeting this week well a couple of things um one you know do, do you know when that song came out bob <laughs> no i don't rick <laughs> <laughs> i have no and i don't know what what year the comics came out um it came out in 1987 it was the fall fall of 1987 um do you know what else came out in 1987 bob oh 1987 i uh those are those years are a bit of a haze to me rick i have to admit what else came out in 87 well, I'll tell you, Bob, it wasn't the issues we're covering today, but the captain story did start in 1987. So oh, I thought that was okay. a good little. Good I was going to say George Michael. Oh, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I think that was a few years later. Anyway, okay. um, the other reason I wanted to do that was because in the issues we're covering today, uh, Nomad's girlfriend, Jezebel is caught listening to her Walkman singing I'm Bad. Oh, nice. So I thought I would tie that in. Uh, so what are we covering today? Well, that would be, uh, the we're in the Captain Part 2 um, of this series, right? So we started uh, this 24-issue series uh, covering this fantastic uh, Mark Grunewald story of Captain America uh, being replaced, Steve Rogers being replaced by John Walker. And this is, there's a, a long story. So we started this in episode 70 with Road to the Captain Part One. We covered uh, issues 327 through 329. And then in the second Wednesday of March, we did Road to the Captain Part Two. In April, Road to the Captain Part Three. In May, we switched over to The Captain Part One which was uh, Captain America 336 through 338. And here we are. Here we are with part two. Um, and this is covering issues 339 through 341. So we'll cover those today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. We're getting there, Bob. We're getting there. After today, uh, we have three more parts. So we are just over halfway through this series. So if you haven't listened to uh, the other parts, I highly suggest you do. Um, it'll probably help with the story, make it a little bit, um, make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. But if not, we'll try to do our best to, to recap 
So Bob, these episodes usually last a little long, maybe around the two hour mark. So um, I say we get right into Captain America 339. What do you think? Yahoo! This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right. So we have here on the cover um, a Fall of the Mutants tie-in. Um, now, I know you didn't read much outside of Captain America, but Fall of the Mutants was this uh, crossover uh, between all the X titles at the time. So we had wow. Uncanny X-Men, we had X-Factor, and, and a few others, and um, and uh, Apocalypse. You, you know Apocalypse, right? The, yeah. the villain? Well, yeah. yeah. So he he's the big baddie in this crossover, and he has these four horsemen that he creates. And... Uh, one of them is famine. And so the four horsemen of apocalypse are sent out to, to wreak havoc, you know, across the globe. And um, this was a, a, a tie-in to that mm-hmm. story. Um, and so we have here on the cover uh, w- famine on one of this uh, gigantic metal. Um, like a locust. Creature of some sort, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of riding it like a horse and famine is, um, at this, this woman who is just uh, emaciated, right? I mean, she's mm-hmm. skin and bones, um, and she's got a yellow face, uh, kind of looks like the, the hobgoblin a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And it says America, the scorched, and she is firing these rays out of her hands that is going into a field of corn and she's just demolishing everything. And then who's in her sights in front of her, none other than Steve Rogers as the captain. Beautiful stuff. Reminds me of that time that uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine's father let me drive the combine through his cornfield. Looked a lot like this. Big mistake. Big, big mistake. Ah, sounds like fun. Yeah. Could not drive a straight line and save my life. Tell me more about this compubine. <laughs> yes, I love driving his concubine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he shared it with you. That's awfully nice of him. Yeah, well, they're close like that in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who who's the creative team on issue 339? Uh, so let's get to that. So as we know, Mark Runewald is, uh, is the writer. Uh, but we have, Bob, a new penciler to the Captain America series. It is Kieran Dwyer. We do. Kieran's great. Now, I remember, you know, a lot of pencilers I don't remember, but I do remember his work. And and so, you know, just how, you know, you know we have this discussion all the time about how certain, certain pencilers, um, they sort of linger in your mind as a remembrance of of earlier times like your mm-hmm. childhood or you know just particular errors it may be in, in the captain america runs dwyer is one of those for me that I, I just sort of i remember yeah he was he was on the book for a couple of years and this is his first issue um and 
you know, it's interesting. His style, if I had to describe it, would be a cross between John Byrne and Mark Bright. Uh, I think um, there's a, a little bit of a cross between that. Now, so, so many out there may not know, though, um, that Kieran Dwyer is actually related to John Byrne. I did not know that, Rick. Yes. John Byrne is his stepdad. His mom married John Byrne. And so um, you see a little bit of John's influence in Kieran's work, especially in the faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, the anchor on, on this issue is Tony DeZuniga, colorist Gregory Wright, letterer John Morelli, and then the editor uh, Ralph Macchio. Oh, I should probably say the corner box um, is uh, the Kevin McGuire drawn um, John Walker as Cap, Lamar Hoskins as Bucky, and they're standing back to back. 75 cents gets you this issue back in 1988. Three quarters, man. Those were the days. I can hear, I already hear some, some listeners saying, I remember when... The comic book was 12 cents. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I wasn't one of those. But... Uh, I wasn't one of them, but I, I, I rumor had it. Yeah, back then, yeah. 10 cents, 12 cents. When, when you were just getting into comics and you like you would go and you would buy a comic book, how much were they? What was the cover <sighs> price for you back then? Well, I, I, I really don't remember it. I think they were around 35 cents. Yeah, that's what it was for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I remember the, the little starburst up in the corner mm-hmm. to still 35 cents. Right. Yeah. 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 That was, that was, uh, the, that's when I really got into them. All right. So this opening splash is the famine character on top of that golden. Oh gosh. You, you say locust. I say, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a scary looking uh, metallic creature, that's for sure. Her shriek is the sound of glass shards scraping brittle bone. Her eyes are shallow pools of slugs festi- feasting on their own entrails. Her flesh is pallid parchment stretched across atrophied muscle and protruding skeleton. Her mount is a stainless steel monstrosity born of locusts and dentist drills. Her hands are sickles, cultivating blight. Her name is Famine. She has come to destroy America. And she is. She's flying around, just shooting rays as she's going over, over the farmland. Now we get to the next page, and it's a, it's a double splash, kind of. Mm. Uh, so uh, the top half... Is a, is a double half? Uh, it's a double page kind of half splash. Is one big image, and then then the bottom half is four panels that that cross. It. And that's that's an interesting choice. Like we don't see this mm-hmm. too often, but what Kieran's trying to uh, uh, display here is you know what famine is doing, and and you can see it's scorching the earth and turning cows into skeletons. And uh, and then here's here's the the credits and the title, Bob. America, the scorched crops wither to ash, 
Cattle collapse. Desiccated husks. The sight fills her with a grim glee. Surely this is the purpose she was born for. She has galloped the Midwestern skies for almost a day now, gouging her initials into the fertile fields of the earth. Corn crumbles, wheat withers, barley blackens at her onslaught, and flesh, flesh shrivels, decays, erodes. And there's a farmer on a, on a tractor going through the cornfield. What in tarnation? And then you see his face just get emaciated as soon as possible and in in a look of terror as he hauls over and dies. This is not the first farmer whose life she has harvested. He will not be the last. Winslow Ferguson tumbles to the land he's worked for the last quarter century. He dies with its taste in his mouth. Famine does not look back. Her mutant body, nourished by unfathomable furies, she tramples on. She has acres and acres and acres to devastate, and each horseman of the apocalypse, once loosed, must ride. And she looks like she's cackling. We get to the next page, and uh, there's a large image, half half page splash, of Cap, and it looks like he's he's back um, in front of the uh, commission in that hall and he's being attacked by someone twice his size in a three-piece suit elsewhere a man is in the throes of a nightmare the chamber he is in cavernous and dark full of dancing shadows and hollow echoes the foe he fates is a giant in an immaculate gray three-piece suit the audience who watches is as still and silent as statuary on a tomb. The man in the costume is Captain America. And today he revisits the scene of his greatest loss, a loss that gnaws at the center of his being. And we see Cap on one side and he does this somersault and flips into the front of the guy and misses his punch. And you know me, Bob, I'm a sucker for the, uh, these types of drawings where mm-hmm. you, you see are. you see the cap, um, you know, and then it's lightly shaded. The as you see his movement go, I love those. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great way to start there, Kieran. But then the giant says to Cap, "That shield does not belong to you." What? And and the shield, as he's about to use it disappears from his hand i don't know how you did that mister but if you think that stealing my shield makes me helpless think again and then as he jumps towards towards the the giant that uniform does not belong to you huh and there's cap and he's he's naked except for like you know just just some some trunks there yeah and and patriotic chunks at that right yeah yeah Red, white, and blue, yeah. <clears throat> and then the the guy just backhands him and swats him away into a into a, a, a wall. You were a ridiculous posturing fool, an embarrassment to your government and its ideals. The head statue speaks in measured whispers. He's right, Rogers. You can't cut it anymore. You are washed up, a relic. 
Why don't you just lie down and die? No, I can still, what's this? Another uniform at my feet. I must, you cannot disguise your obsolescence. That's a word I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, I know. We, should, we should bring it back. We really should. Your battle has ended. You cannot start over. Your every move for the rest of your life will be snarled in red tape. And then coming from his fingertips are strands of red tape that are going around Steve as he's trying to put on the captain uniform. This stuff is like steel. No time to finish dressing. Do your worst, bureaucrat. Nothing's going to stop me from peeling off your mask, finding out who you really are. And he goes up and he pulls off the mask. And we see Ronald Wagon. What? Mr. President? Well, were you expecting maybe the Red Skull? <laughs> no, it must be another mask. It, it's, it's me. You can't fight it, pal. You're the one who got you into this mess. And you're the one foe you can't beat. <laughs> and then we cut to the next page. And he's in completely in, like a, a mummy wrapped in this, this red tape. Fellow commissioners, there are no more loose ends to tie up. And then Steve wakes up and he's sweating and he's like a dream. Whew. And there's, there's um, the rest of the crew uh, and they're all on a plane right now. And they're, they're um, on a small plane and there's like one seat on each side of the aisle. And so you have Steve then behind him is sleeping vagabond. And then you have a Sam Wilson across from Steve. You have D man. And then behind him is a sleeping nomad. And then you've got Red Wing. Got his own seat. Yeah, he does. That's got to be weird for a bird, right? <laughs> it's got to be, I don't know. Maybe it's nice to have a break, right? I know. Yeah, you can fly, but without actually flying. Yeah. You got to look out the window and be like, yeah. what's, what's going on? <laughs> You're all right, Steve. The way you were gasping and groaning, I, I thought, <laughs> what did he think? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dream were you having? No eye contact. <laughs> I was just having a bad dream, D-Man. Since the presidential commission forced me to resign as Captain America, I've been having the same dream over and over. Everything's stripped away from me, and I can't get myself together again. This is no consolation. But as the newest superhero on the block, it's reassuring to know even living legends have nightmares and self-doubts. Behind the legend is a man, just like anybody else, Dennis. Yeah, but when you look at those faces on these bottom panels, right? I mean, that's got mm -hmm. a little John Byrne to it, right? It does. It does indeed. Now that you pointed it out, it's very clear to me. Next page. And now that I'm starting all over, I realize just how valuable my legend my reputation was to carry out my mission. Yeah, if you've been able to tell the Las Vegas police who you really were, they'd never have thrown us in the slammer for helping them nail those serpent crooks. That was in the last issue. Mm -hmm. True. The authorities used to give me a lot of latitude in which to work. At this point, Sam gets up, stretching his legs, and he's like, that mean you're thinking of standing up to the commission? that crud they stuck you with and getting back what is rightfully yours? Sorry, Sam. They've made the decision. Let them live with it. 
I know I can. Man alive. How am I ever going to be able to convince my buddy how wrong-headed his attitude is? I've only got a few more weeks. Then the high-flying falcon has to haul his tail feathers back to his home turf. I take it you want to follow up on these serpent guys. Uh-huh. Their ilk has managed to elude me too many times now. It's time for a reckoning. If any of you want to get back to your own lives, please feel free. I can handle it from here. Not me. What better way for a city slicker to spend his vacation than tracing all around the country? Nothing in the world I'd rather do than hang around with you, Cap. If Vagabond and Nomad were awake, I'm sure they'd agree. Okay, then. After we recover our wheels. And then just then, we see the pilot. How would you describe the pilot, Bob? I would uh, describe him as um, somebody I'd want to hang out with in the late 1970s, early 80s. <laughs> he had a beautiful uh, pineapple Hawaiian shirt. You know, he's got that scruffy uh, blondish hair with the matching mustache, very a la Magnum P.I. Yeah. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. And the mirrored aviator sunglasses. Definitely a guy that you want to party with. Yo, Mr. D-Man, something coming over the radio might interest you. You go ahead. Hmm. The cap takes the uh, headset off of the pilot to listen. Something about someone poisoning, poisoning farmland in the Midwest. Pilot, plot a course to Kansas. For what the big day is, man? I'll fly you to Timbuktu. Where is Timbuktu, Bob? Uh, you know, it's in Africa someplace, right? Uh, where is it? Uh, I don't know. Senegal, maybe? I always thought it was like a made-up place. No, it's a, it's an actual place. Yeah? It's, it's an actual place. In, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's in uh, Eastern Africa. You know, it must be really hard to get to. Because that's usually how people refer yeah. to it. It's like, you know, like, oh, what, what, where are we going? To Timbuktu? It's pretty cool. I've seen pictures of Timbuktu. It's, it's got some pretty cool ancient architecture and stuff. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of those places you want to put on your list right after you visit Kathmandu. <laughs> I don't know if I can afford it. Maybe if it was like a, uh, a Tim Dime 2, I could probably, <laughs> probably afford it. But... Wah, wah. <laughs> that was bad. Uh, Meanwhile, at Fort George, Meade, Maryland, far beneath the innocuous barracks number 17, powerful costume agents of the U.S. government walk the corridors, in particular, the newly commissioned Captain America and his aide-de-camp, the new Bucky. What'd I tell you, Johnny? The man didn't care how we handled that crackpot professor power, as long as we got the job done. And that was a reference to last issue. Well, I still, hey, what's all that rocket? And you got, you know, Johnny and Lamar walking in their, in their uh, uniforms. And they come up uh, on Freedom Force. So you have Freedom Force, you have Blob, Pyro, Avalanche. I should have guessed the Blob and his cronies. What's so funny, Tubbs? Ain't you heard? My old Tom Spartan partners. The excruciating X-Men went off and got themselves killed. And I was there when it happened. Ha <laughs> ha! Call. This calls for a 20 keg salute. And uh, in case people aren't familiar with uh, the blob, he's a very large man. And when I say large, I'm being generous. He's, mm-hmm. he's obese. He's really fat. 
morbidly so yeah yeah he's got like four chins here Lost so glum pal the x-men were baddies weren't they anybody the freedom force hates must have had something going for them besides after what happened with power i'm not fond of anybody getting attention captain america and bucky please report to briefing at once there goes our R&R. And so they get to the room, and there's a picture of Famine on her steed. We've got another super nut for you boys to take down. Take a look at the telephoto on the screen behind me. What's a telephoto, Bob? Ah, uh, uh, that's interesting. You have to look at the telephoto on the screen. Hmm. I guess it's a, a telephoto photograph. But why not just say telephotograph? Why not just say photo? <laughs> I don't get it. Hmm. Well, maybe they want to point out that you can't get too close. Was it taken with a telephone or is it taken with a television? Why is it a tele-photo? <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm seriously like I, it's a I live during this time i should know these things it's a telephoto lens okay yeah but it does it does ask them you know it does call them into question is it a telephoto photo because that just seems you know redundant yeah exactly even as we speak the suspected mutant is defoliating farmland across the midwest using technology or powers not yet identified you'll be briefed further en route dismissed and the two of them look at each other and smile they're like yeah mission yeah mm-hmm. i can't tell you how many times i heard that oh we'll be briefing you en route which means they don't know what the heck's going on <laughs> we'll let you know when we know <laughs> Hours pass as a skeletal horsewoman, famine, tirelessly ravages the land. She has ridden alone. No one has pursued or tried to stop her until now. And then there's these two, uh, there's these two choppers there. Uh, what type of choppers are those? Those look like they are uh, Apaches. Yeah, I do, don't they? Like mm-hmm. They have like the Stinger missiles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Target sighted, Red Fox 1. Match speeds, over. We copy, Red Fox 2. Released heat seekers. But <laughs> she laughs at the attack, just like I laugh and talks <laughs> special effects, and eludes it with demonic ease. And then uh, the uh, the steed just starts chomping at the back of these these helicopters, um, taking off their tails. Mayday, mayday, we've been hit. I can't see what. And then they just, they go down and they crash. Her bloodless lips twist themselves into a grimace as her pursuers impact with the mottled earth below. The craft were flying too low for their occupants to bail out. Wow. She's racking up the death numbers here, right? Yeah, yeah. But then. (laughs) It's Red Wing. And the rod, Seco. And then um, 2,000 feet above, we have the captain, Nomad, and D-Man dropping out of the, uh, of the airplane. And they are holding hands to make like a, you know, like a three, 
piece? What, what, what kind of, yeah, I don't know. They're all, they're all holding hands, but I think it's really cool. If you look very closely at Nomad, he looks a lot like Waldo. Mm. Look at his face. Waldo? Yeah. He looks like he's f- fearing for his life. Mm. Looks like the Falcons made contact. With any luck, we can ground that maniac. And then there's D-Man. He looks scared. <laughs> and they all have goggles on. Sure wish we had time to land. I, I've never skydived before. If Falk can't bring him down, we're going to be pretty useless standing around like scarecrows in some farmer's burnout cornfield. I have perfect confidence in the Falcon, Nomad. Uh, say, guys, isn't it time to pull our ripcords yet? So anyway, I'm, I'm looking at the one where he's, he looks scared. Uh-huh. And, and I guess it's because of the goggles and yeah. his eyes wide open. <laughs> he, he looks like a minion. Yeah, you're right. yeah he does look like a minion. <laughs> so we cut to the next page and there's the falcon who's on back of um famine and he's he's holding her arms why remama aren't you now why don't you relax just let the driving to me the squeal that escapes her gritted teeth is that of a dog being run over by a car the falcon doesn't flinch Till he feels her shriveling touch. Ow! What in blazes did you do? Her laugh is like the bite of a hacksaw. Okay then, lady. I'll just have to see, see that you keep your stinking paws off me. His grip fast. He cybernetically activates his auxiliary jets. And he's, he's got her like in a half Nelson. Mm-hmm. And he's flying away with her off the steed. Stop wiggling, lady. You break loose and you got a long fall. Next page, we see uh, our heroes landing with their parachutes. There. See, he's got him. Or or is it a her? And D-Man's like, ground at last. Way to go, Fal. Looks like we'll be able to wrap this thing up in no time and get back to my chick. I hope you're right. You saw what happened to those two choppers, didn't you? D-Man, keep an eye on that flyer's flying horse of hers. Nomad, let's give Sam some backup. Having dangled limp thus far, Famine suddenly stiffens, twists, and flails at her captor's face. She drops the final ten feet to the ground and lands with a sharp slap. And before the falcon regains his sight, she zaps him. Ugh! And he falls ground. He falls to the ground, grabbing his stomach. Stomach doubled up in knots, like I'm hungry. He lies there softly moaning. She stands there conducting a symphony of suffering until a five-pound steel alloy disc hurled with bone-breaking speed shatters her right ulna. She gulps down a yelp of pain and pivots just in time to evade a second such projectile. Watch it. She shoots some kind of energy out of her hands. Falcon's down. I'll see to him. That middle what's-his is circling for a landing. The mid-afternoon air crackles with a blistering cascade of energy. Despite the pain, she's enjoying this. Nomad, dive for it. And then... 
the largest of her attackers manages a 20-foot leap, dislodging her from her hovering metal horse. Sorry, punker. The only place this refugee from a carousel is going is a junkyard. Now, the metal horse seeks to return the favor. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Famine returns her attention to other adversaries. Confident, her steed can take care of itself. Sam? And he goes to the falcon, who's again holding a stomach. So weak. Famished. Easy, pal. Easy. And then we cut to Nomad, who is uh, going up against Famine alone. This skinny broad really toasted the falcon with that hand juice of hers, whatever it is. Don't know if my flak jacket can stop that stuff, so I better stick to the jumping bean routine. And he has, he's like jumping around, avoiding the, the rays. Got to keep her from blasting a sec so I can move in and retrieve my stun desks. And he grabs a little mud, throws it at her. Classic. Here's, it's yeah. classic, Rick. That's the classic move. Here's you know what and you know where. I mean, it's so classic. He doesn't even have to say. Here's he doesn't have to her. say it. Yeah, right? Works every time. Pocket sand! What'd you say? Pocket sand! Oh, yeah. <laughs> you look hungry, bag of bones. Have a knuckle sandwich. Well, if he's not showing his 50s right now, <laughs> from the right, 1950s, yeah. yeah. His blow loosens two teeth. Thick, coppery blood oozes down her throat, gra- gagging her, making her want to purge herself. And he goes down and he picks up one of his discs. Got it. Next page, cut to D-Man. Long as I manage to hang on, this thing can't sink its teeth into me. But I'm not sure how much longer I can hang on. Maybe I could put some of my augmented strength to use. Below. I'll be okay, Steve. Really. Go after that loony. Stopping her destruction. More important. Sam looks like he's lost 10 pounds. He needs prompt medical attention. Okay, Sam. I'll be back as soon as I can. And then he rips off uh, a door to the tractor. I didn't know he was that strong. But if this madwoman isn't stopped, she'll single-handedly cause a nationwide food shortage, potentially affecting millions. This is a poor substitute for my shield, but I'll have to do. And then as he's running off with that, Sam's thinking, guts on fire. Wish I was dead. And then Nomad's thinking, oof, distracted with her horse when her horse buzzed me. She's amazingly strong for her size. And then just then, Steve yells at her. Hold it there, lady. And the captain's voice is riveting. The voice of a man used to taking command. She pauses without meaning to. Not even her dark master has such a compelling voice. What do you think you're accomplishing by despoiling the land and robbing hardworking farmers of their livelihood and trying to starve a nation? She almost begins to answer him to tell him how she abhors food and cannot swallow a single morsel without immediately regurgitating it. But her master, Apocalypse, found her and made her one of his four mutant horsemen and bid her destroy that which makes her sick to her stomach. 
And that was an X Factor 19. But this crusader would not understand. Only her master understands. The man with the commanding voice must wither. So she fires at him. For a moment, I thought I'd gotten through to her. No such luck. When reason fails, there's always stealth and force. And he's using that uh, ripped off piece of metal as a shield. Okay, miss, your madness stops here. And in the background, we see D-Man dislodging the metal steed. Now! Felt great to have a shield, any shield in my hand again. Hadn't realized how empty, incomplete I felt without one. Get off me, you bloated bag of flesh. The world is a mean, ugly place with nothing fit to eat. I must reap the rot men consume. I must cleanse the earth of its foul vegetation and putrid meat. No, you must see a psychiatrist. Master! And as she yells out, what? She's vanishing. And the, and the steed does too. And I just want to point out in the panel before, one of the classic Grunwald thought bubbles. He just adds thought bubbles <laughs> to characters. Yeah. So what, what, do you see, what do we see D-Man thinking? Talk about saddle sore. <laughs> I have a funny story for that. Uh, Cap, the horse, it's vanished. I know. It's infuriating. First the serpents, now this woman. It seems everyone I fight these days uses teleportation. D-Man, so go fetch the falcon. I'll see the nomad. I have confidence that falcon and nomad will recover, but what about America? Who can bind the wounds of the land? Feed her famished people now. What can I do? I who once styled myself a symbol of this land and people. The kinship I feel with America hasn't diminished in the least with my change in uniform. Three hours later, and we see uh, John and Lamar in uniform at the site of the battle. And they're like, I don't know what's going on, kind of expressions on their face. The swath of destruction abruptly ends here, but there's no sign of the person who caused it. I just can't figure it. Oh, well, you can't win them all, Cappy. Sometimes you can't even fight them all. Come on, let's get out of here. So we cut to um, next page, and it is Steve in a trench coat, but underneath his trench coat is his captain uniform. And there's Tony Stark in a black business suit. Two weeks later, Nomad and Falcon are in Kansas City being treated for malnutrition. D-Man has gone to Washington State to claim vehicles they left there. And in the Los Angeles headquarters of Stark Enterprises, Steve Rogers, a.k.a the captain, keeps an appointment with one of his oldest colleagues and friends, Anthony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. It's good to see you looking healthy, Steve. The, the message you sent, it, it sounded so grim. Need help and shield, can you supply? It's good to see you too, Tony. I apologize for the mystery. Things have been kind of strange lately. Yes, I, I heard from the Avengers that you were forced to give up being Captain America. That's right. 
but it's not going to stop me from fighting for my country. That's why I need a new shield. Can you help? I'm always happy to help a friend, Steve. Why don't we take a look at your new shield? Tell me something, Tony. On the way over, I, I read in Newsweek that you fired Iron Man as your corporate symbol. What's the story? How can you fire your own alter ego? I'm really sorry, Steve, but I can't share that secret with anyone just now. But why don't we go have a look at that shield I made for you? And then on the last page here, they're in a, uh, in a danger room type situation. I use this chamber to test out certain of my armor's weapon systems. The walls are lined with antimanium, same as I made your shield out of. Here. It feels good. Nothing quite as, has the feel of the original, but this is very close. Go on, try it out. I'll activate the training dummies. Ah, that reassuring weight against my forearm. Of all the things the commission took from me, I think I missed my shield the most. Suddenly, I feel whole again. And he just tosses the shield behind him blindly, and it knocks out a dummy, ricochets off another dummy, and then comes back to his hand. And I have the strength and the will to beat all the odds against me. I don't think that nightmare I've been having will be back. Tell you what, keep the shield on sort of a permanent trial basis, okay? No charge. But I couldn't. Nonsense. Once word gets around that your shield was made here, it will be the best publicity SC has had in months. SC stands for Stark Enterprises, Bob. Oh. Now I'm certain Steve won't interfere with my activities, even though my next mission will put me against the U.S. government itself. Continued in Iron Man 238 on sale in two weeks. So, Bob, I got, I got two stories here for this. Oh, all right. Does it involve a coccyx? Kind of. Uh, okay. So when he says, um, D-Man says, talk about saddle sore. So uh, back um, when I got married, um, my, 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 my first wife, um, we went to the Bahamas for a honeymoon. And um, we did, you know, when you're in the Bahamas, you know, you know on the islands, you, you try to do some water sports, right? Sure. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we got, uh, we rented some, uh, some wave runners. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you could sit two to a wave runner. Right. And so I would drive and she was on the back and we would just go around in the ocean, you know, and hop the waves and, and all that. And let me tell you, if you've not done that before, um, it's a little sore afterwards yeah right and and you're 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 sore in in the same area like a saddle sore like if you're riding a horse for the first time you're using muscles you don't typically use yeah right and so very very sore in the in that area so we come back from the from the honeymoon and uh i get back to work and on the first day i'm back at my at my work and my boss asked me how was the honeymoon? Did you have a good time? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. I'm like, I'm a little saddle sore though. <laughs> and she's like, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> See you bye, Rick. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what they meant. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, that's great. So, um, and the other thing too here, uh, one of the one of the full page ads um, towards the end of this comic is the official Marvel Comics tryout book. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was this oversized book that you could buy. Um, you could, and it was twelve ninety five. You could you could mail away for it, um, you know, to Marvel, and it was a way for for people to to pencil and, and show what they would do on a page if they were penciling, if they were inking. Uh, they could do coloring, lettering, scripts, mm-hmm. write out a plot. And and if, and for those who might remember, there was a it was a big picture of Spider Man uh, battling Doc Ock on this big book, and it said like the official Marvel Comics tryout book. Um, I know after the fact, um, somebody who actually filled one of those out and got a job as an artist for Marvel, and it was Mark Bagley. Hmm. So. Wow. Mark- yeah, Mark Bagley, who's obviously been in the industry for 30 years, got his start from the Marvel tryout book. How cool is that? That is cool. I wonder if he ever got it back. I don't know. That would I, be I cool did, to have. I, I did. When I had my store back in Atlanta, um, he did come in for a book signing for me once. Um, back when uh, Ultimate Spider-Man 50 came out, mm-hmm. uh, he, he came into the store to do a book signing. Um, and I, I, I interviewed him uh, for the website I had prior to that. Um, interesting guy. Uh, mm. He's a, he got a little snarky sense of humor, mm. um, you know. But uh, but yeah, he's 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 had a hell of a career, uh, and 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 he got it from that trial book. Wow, I know. So- All right, solicitation for this next issue, issue um, three forty. Uh, and by the way, this has a cover date of April 1988. Um, says, talk about guest stars. This issue's got them. And the captain's going to need all the help he can get from D-Man, Falcon, and Nomad because he's facing Mr. Hyde, Titania, Vibro, the Griffin, Armadillo, and the captain's friend, Iron Man. What? He's facing Iron Man? What? I guess that, I guess, you know, hey, we, we skipped that Iron Man 228. Yeah. So, um, hopefully there'll be some sort of recap here. Um, so we have here uh, writer Mark Grunewald, penciler Kieran Dwyer. But now, now joining the art team is anchor Al Milgram. Big Al. Friend of the show, Al Milgram. Um, and if you hadn't had a chance to listen to Al um in our conversation with him about inking Kieran Dwyer and all the other projects that he spent decades on, um, check out episode 73. It's a great conversation with a legendary inker, penciler, uh, writer, editor, um, Al Migram. He's a, and a super, super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a lot of giggles in that, in that show. Indeed. Yeah. Fun guy. Um, and the colorist is Gregory Wright, letterer Jack Morelli, and an editor, Ralph Malchio. So on this cover, it's a it's a black background. And coming out and in, in, in standing in the uh in the foreground 
is Steve in his captain uniform. But in behind him, coming out of the shadows of the black, are some of these villains that were mentioned, where you have the Griffin, Mr. High, Titania, and Vibro. And for those who don't know what they look like, Bob, maybe you can describe them. Uh, yeah, Titania is a bit of a Amazonian woman, very buxom, I think is a, is a good way to say it, a polite way to say it in, in today's culture. Uh, and she's got sort of a shock of uh, a reddish hair. Uh, of course, we know that um, um, Mr. Hyde, very large man, very, very, very large, muscular man with a shaggy do. In fact, he almost would look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo uh, if he had been on uh, uh, steroids. So think of him that way. Very, very uh, uh, hulking version of Scooby-Doo. Um, just a griffin, right? A uh, bit like um, uh, he, he has a sort of look of, um, well, have you watched The Wizard of Oz, Rick? The Cowardly Lion, but he's not cowardly. Right. And um, and uh-huh. so he's got that visage. It's a very fierce flowing mane. And of course, um, uh, very sharp talons on his hands. And uh, who else do we have here, my friend? It's Vibro. Vibro. I, you know, I, I, I don't recall Vibro, but he he's uh, he looks like I am increasingly starting to look in my <laughs> older life. So sort of an angry, angry guy with a very, very short, stubbly uh, uh, haircut and uh, sort of uh, he's got a sort of mole man kind of glasses going on. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Uh, we have the same corner boxes before in 75 cents. And by the way, I don't know if I told you this. I am reading my original copies. Really? Yeah. From 1988. And then we have the title to this issue as we open up on the big splash page. Oh, yes. Captain America Breakout. And we have Steve as the captain kneeling over a a downed guardsman. And then coming up from behind is Iron Man. Uh, But it's not the red and yellow golden Avenger that we're used to. This is the 1988 version where he's wearing white and red. And he's got the shoulder pads um, and, the, and the more square kind of helmet. Instead of a circle on his chest, it's a V. Um, so he's coming up behind the captain and he has his hand on his shoulder and he's zapping him. And you see Steve grimacing in pain. Sequestered high in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado is the vault a federal penitentiary designed to hold convicts whose powers and abilities defy conventional means of imprisonment. But the two costume figures locked in battle on the vault's uppermost floor are not convicts. They are heroes, fellow Avengers. At this point, however, Steve Rogers, the original Captain America, believes that Iron Man has taken the idea of avenging way too far. If you haven't read Iron Man 228 yet, don't panic. In a page or two, you'll, you'll know as much about what's going on here as I do. Reassuring Ralph. And Tony is saying, I guess we both do what we have to. And next page, you see the captain laying down 
and he's just immobile, but he's not unconscious. And Tony leans over the guardsman and puts a device on the shoulder. The electrical charge I channeled through my gauntlet won't harm Steve. Just keep him immobile for a while. But the decision to do it was about as easy as digging my own heart out with an ice cream scoop. Slowly, Iron Man attaches a negator device to the armor of the last guardsman. But as he reaches across Steve Rogers, their eyes meet and hold. No words are spoken. None are needed. For both men know that a bond has been broken between them today that may never be whole again. And then as he's walking out, um, I'm not sure who that is. That maybe Rhodey? That's Rhodey, yeah. Yeah. Hey, the guy with the shield. He's no guardsman. He looks like, nah, couldn't be. It's a long story, Jim. And if it's all the same, I really don't feel like telling it just now. But as the sensation slowly sleeps back into Steve Rogers' limbs, his thoughts flit over the events that led him here. This is a, a recap of that Iron Man issue we missed. It began not 24 hours ago when he approached his longtime friend, inventor Tony Stark, about making him a new shield. The shield Stark made was nearly as good as the original, now lost to him. His gratitude soured upon learning that Stark had embarked upon a personal crusade, attacking individuals who wore high-tech body armor, like Stark Ward as Iron Man. He met with Stark in a diner and he tried to talk him out of storming the vault. When Stark said he was going home, Rogers thought he convinced him. However, since Stark had not actually given him his word, the captain decided to proceed to the vault just as a precaution. By the time he arrived, Iron Man had neutralized all of the guardsmen but one. At that point, uh, Cap throws his shield between Iron Man and the last guardsman. The armor is under my protection, Iron Man. It's vital to national security. And if means I have to fight you, so be it. I can't let that armor survive or be replicated. If I have to go through you to get it, I will. Then let's get this over. Huh? The guardsman is collapsing. His air supply must be exhausted. Take off your helmet, soldier. I'll protect you. But I wasn't able to. Iron Man suckered me while my back was turned. I think I can stand now. If I hurry, there's a chance I can still catch up with him. And the guardsman says, Go get him, man. And if he does manage to get away, I know where he lives. Vault security is in shambles. Iron Man must have not only neutralized the guardsman, but also caused a power failure. No sign of him. He must have gotten away. Next page, we see him jumping over some of the, the armed guards. And since I'm technically unauthorized personnel, I better do the same. This is the quickest way down the mountain. The hardest, too, unfortunately. So he goes over the edge of the mountain and he starts climbing down the facade. As soon as I make it down, I'll check up on the whereabouts of the Falcon and crew. Then I'm going to L.A. to pay a visit to Mr. Anthony Stark. Huh? A shadow. And there's, there's Sam. Need a list stranger? Best offer I've heard all day. And see, when, when Steve here turns and he looks at the Falcon and he smiles, 
like this is when I know I like an artist. Like if they can draw a good face, you know, mm-hmm. it has a little character to it. Yeah. You know, I like that. That's what I look for in an artist. Like they, they could have all of the, the body down and the action down and the, in the foreground and the background and all that. But if the, if the face doesn't have any, you know, Motion, character right? yeah, yeah right, to yeah. it. Uh, so Falcon's in uh, flying Steve down. You sure you're up to having a, a passenger Falcon? The doctors gave Nomad and me a clean bill of health two days ago, Cap. And we're back to fighting strength. Glad to hear. The rest of the group with you? You bet. D-Man drove your van down from up north while Nomad and I were recuperating. Then we all drove straight here. So what's the story here? Your message said something about a breakout at this federal pen. Not a breakout, a break-in. After the long tale is told. That is really strange, Cap. Iron Man, one of the founding Avengers. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Looks like Nomad and D-Man are at it again. Wonder what's it about this time. I can guess. And then we see Nomad getting in in the face of D-Man and pointing at him. And he's got Vagabond on his right arm. You know, she's trying to stop him. Catch you making moves on my girl again, D-Minus. I'm tearing you to pieces. Your augmented strength and all. You dig? You got me wrong, Nomad. I, I wasn't making any moves. Vagabond just asked me to show her some wrestling holds. Really, Jack? That's the truth. You know I want to learn to be a crime fighter too, but you never seem to have time to teach me anything. I was going to ask you if it was okay before I did anything, Jack. Don't call me Jack, dunce. Hey, dudes, what's going on here? Falcon, Cap, you're, you're back. Um, Nothing's wrong. J- Jack and I just had a little misunderstanding. Wow, you got your new shield. Must be nice to have friends with the know-how to whip something like this together. Yes, friends. So now we're as Captain I used to be America's all-star traveling superhero road show off to. Back to Los Angeles. I've got to return the shield, Anthony Stark. Huh? Did I miss something? And they're all hopping into the van. Meanwhile, back at the vault. And we see these guards, uh, but they're not the guardsmen in the, in the armor. They're just normal guards with, with weapons. And they're walking into a dark room with flashlights. Of all the cell blocks to get blacked out, it would have to be this one. Yeah, all the heaviest duty cons are on this level. You don't think any got out, do you, Kosmeyer? I mean, backup generators would have kicked it on, right? All depends. Hargrave. This is Kosmeyer. Level three is still dark. Kakala, Galvin, Adams, and I are investigating. No sign of Growl and Terry. Over. I don't like this. You'd think we'd hear those cons shouting or griping about the lights. Maybe we ought to let the investigation slide until the power is restored. Uh, maybe you're right. Okay, men, fall back. But just then... Coming from behind the four guards is a gigantic Mr. Hyde, and he has his arms 
reached out and he grabs all four of them and he clunks their heads together and he yells, hide and seek. I think that was a nice little homage, that panel of, um, of Mr. Hyde going up behind him and grabbing him from, it looks like that cover that John Byrne did. I don't recall, Rick, which cover was that? Um, I don't know. Was it, it was in the late two forties where, you know, Mr. Hyde was coming up behind Captain America out of the shadows and he has arms out wide. Ah, yes. Yes. Now I recall. Yeah. The little men's skulls crack open like rotten melons. Ha. I teach him to imprison Mr. Hyde. Here's the elevator waiting to take me out of this dungeon. And he gets in in the elevator and there's Titania. Did you bring the keys? Hmm? You're Titania, the absorbing man's woman. No kidding. Now, do you have the keys? Uh, what keys? Never mind, you big goon. I'll get them myself. Watch what you call me, female. The only thing worth watching on you, Heidi, is your IQ drop every time you blow your nose. Now, come on. They've got to be here somewhere. And she's going through one of the guards looking for... And then she, she thinks, shuffling noise. And coming up from behind her is Armadillo. Now, describe Armadillo for, for our listeners, Bob. He is a, a rather large, uh, muscular Armadillo. <laughs> would, would you disagree? <laughs> okay. He's, you know, almost twice the size of Titania. Yeah. He has a lot of armor all around him and these big claws coming out of his hands. Yeah. And he's kind of like an orange armor and like his white claws. It is. But, you know, it's also a bit of a misnomer because armadillos are actually pretty nice little critters. So. Can't they like get into balls and roll? They do. Yeah. They do. Well, they protect themselves that way. Yeah. I don't know if they roll, but they, they certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean like Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, yeah. you know. Like, <laughs> right, not like know. Sonic, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They crunch themselves up in a little ball-like posture. So she she uh, turns around and just backhands, and she's like, take a hike, creep. And she hits him hard. She's pretty strong. Titania, wait. Gangway, Jekyllin, I've got the elevator keys. I heard someone out shouting. That doofy armadillo wanted to tag along. He'd only have slowed us down. Oh. Sounds like Dillo ain't taking no for an answer. Wait, don't go. He's pounding and he gets through the door, but the elevator's already gone up. I, I've got to get out of this hole in the ground. My wife, I must see my wife, Benita, again. Make sure she's remained faithful to me. Who am I kidding? She's taking up with Ramon, her hairdresser. I know it. <laughs> Grah, I will find them both. Gore them to beats. Then will, I will be able to sit here and rot in peace. He's got his priorities in order. Yeah. I don't want to stereotype, Bob. Yeah. But if... um. If she's visiting Ramon, the hairdresser, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think she's being unfaithful. 
<laughs> it's just someone that listens. <laughs> exactly. The floor below, we have Vibro. And uh, Vibro, when he, um, he sends like these shock waves out of his hands, right? And he, mm-hmm. these like these little crescents, you know, um, crescent moons that kind of come out and then they get bigger as, as they go. Ecological travesty, man-made intrusion. What right have they to imprison Vibro, master of the seismographic force? <laughs> Destiny to be free. Yes, age, treachery, and harmonics will overcome concrete and steel. And then coming from behind him is the griffin. Now, the griffin is, you know, it's like a, it's an ancient, isn't it like an ancient Roman uh, uh, type of character, right? It's it's a lion with wings, right? Yeah, it's, the, yeah, yeah, it's a lion yeah, with wings, right? Yeah, and that's what this is. I didn't think of, well, anyway, uh, far be it for me to question uh, Kieran and, uh, and Mark, but I, I didn't know the griffin had a lion's head, but, but yeah. in any case, okay. Yeah. Yeah, All look right. it up. All right. <laughs> I will. Um, I will look it up, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, why'd, why'd you come a little prepared, Bob? <laughs> can, you, can you do that for me, please? <laughs> I meant to look up my Greek mythology today, Rick. I'm just sorry. I ran out of time. Uh, my wife made me cook dinner. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Patience, Griffin. Tons of rock to penetrate. Free soon enough. Next page, and we see, you know, Cap's van pulling away, you know, going down the, the road on the outskirts of the, you know, the mountain. And there's a big explosion. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I did look it up, Rick. A griffin does not, <laughs> does not have a lion's head. So. So there. All right, well, now I got to look it up. <laughs> Griffin is a legendary creature with the body, tail, and back legs of a lion, the head and wigs of an eagle. Hmm. Yeah. I'm an eagle's talon. All right. Huh? Well, first well, like of all, this well, isn't like the first get, time the Griffin. Gaslighting me. Yeah. This isn't the first time the Griffin has ever been drawn. I, I, I'm not going to blame Kieran on this one. He's okay. just following how the character was created. Yeah. All right. All right, Bob. So let's look it up. Who created right. uh, the Griffin uh, Marvel? Mm-hmm. First Who do one we to figure to this out. Who do we have to blame? Um, Griffin first appeared in Amazing Adventures 15 in November of 1972 and was created by Steve Englehart and Tom Sutton. Tom, Tom. I don't know. I mean, Steve could have given explicit instructions on, you know. Doesn't seem right. like Steve, though. Let's call up Steve, yeah. right? Yeah. We have his number, right? He's been a guest on the show. We have. We have him back specifically to explore this question. Yes. Steve, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. Did you not know? How hard is it to pick up a book, right? I mean, clearly this was before Wikipedia. <laughs> clearly. And there was explosion. Scream! 
No. <laughs> what the hell? We're on the wrong panel. I said explosion, not the van screeching to a halt. Oh, all right. I, I, I thought we were. We're going to be here all night. Come on. I know. We are. What in the world was that? Sounded like an explosion coming from the vault. I was afraid of that. Someone's taking advantage of the power outage and the lack of armored guardsmen. So what's the plan? I trust our motorcycles are gassed up and ready to go. Vagabond, you stay here with the van. No action until I deem you combat ready. And then there's um, Jack, Steve, and Dennis on their motorcycles. And they're driving away from the van. And the Falcon and Red Wing are in the air. And Falcon's like, Red Wing and I will do some aerial reconnaissance. Whoops. Can't hear me over all that racket. Oh, well, Cap knows how I operate. Like, there was no reason to have that there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love Mark. Mark's great. I yeah. love this. There were absolutely no reason for Sam to say something and go, eh, they can't hear me. But <laughs> Steve, Steve knows how I work. Right. Yeah. Jack thinks to himself, about time I saw some action. Can't wait to let off some steam. And then Steve, if anyone gets injured or any prisoners gets away, Stark will have even more to answer for. And then there's Dennis. Cop was telling us criminals with superhuman powers are kept at the vault. I'm still so new at this hero biz that I don't even know which criminals use gimmicks and which have real powers. Which I think he's thinking about that because he, he wants to know, like, who can he use his full strength, augmented strength against? Right. Next page, we see uh, Vibro coming out of a hole on the side of the mountain, and Falcon spots him. Oh, look what we have here. A con with a bad haircut, digging himself a tunnel out of the mountain. Don't recognize a dude from here. Redway, I guess we never played New York. I'll just, holy, and then the griffin comes out of the hole. (laughs) The dude's part lion. Part eagle and all mean. Think there's a name for a creature like that? But bland if I can remember what it is. Hey, watch those nails, Simba. Can't imagine those wings growing out of his back or as fast and maneuverable as my jet-assisted ones. My best bet is to lure him out into the open sky, play tag, and try to wear him out, enough so he'll let me dance tap dance on his skull. Of course, Lion Eyes may have ideas of his own. Rawr. Anyone ever tell you you've got a limited vocabulary? He said lionize. When I read that, it made me think of Lionel. You wouldn't remember. No, Thundercats. No, right, yeah. Oh. Come on, flying lion. You'll have to do better than that to catch a falcon. And then we have um, Vibroves now climbing up the side of the mountain. Handholds. As I need them, fools can't hold what vibrates fast enough. Get back to civilization, shake it apart. He seems a little demented. You know, he, he does have some issues. Meanwhile, a thousand feet above. And then we have uh, Titania and Mr. Hyde breaking out, but they're going up against like all these, you know, non powered cars. They just got like pistols. Look out! And Titania's like throwing a Jeep. Stop her. 
Set stunners on full. Hey, Hadzi, how you doing? These little men and their toy guns are a joke to Mr. Hyde. Ah, oof. Well, keep delivering the punchlines and make for the truck. Keys in ignition, big guy? Huh. Keys? Yes, keys are here. Stop them. Stop them. We're trying, but the two of us, the toughest lugs here. And the truck pulls away. We did it, woman. We broke free of their so-called inescapable prison. You always slobber when you're excited, Nagahide. Shut up. Communications Tower, we have a code red. Hyde and Titania have com- commandeered a convict transport vehicle and... Whoa! Oh no, another one. And it's Armadillo. Out of the way, you guys. I don't want to have to hurt you. Come on, man. We can't let everyone just waltz out of here. What are we supposed to do, DeVries? Get on our knees and beg them? We just got to get ourselves some better backup armament. And then he starts climbing down the mountain. Oh, you know what? I think I made a mistake before. I think uh, Vibro was climbing down, not out. I I think he kind of came out the side of the mountain. So he was kind of going down. There he goes. It's all that creep Iron Man's fault. These freaks are getting loose. Yeah, but it's our jobs on the line. I am coming for you, Bonita. As Armadillo climbs down the mountain. Next page, we have uh, the three motorcyclists. Haven't heard any more explosions since the first one. Maybe the guardsmen got whatever is under control. Cap sure seems grim since he was forced to give up being Captain America. But he keeps getting grimmer. And as the three of them are riding their motorcycle next to each other, side by side by side, here comes Titana and Hyde in that truck, wheeling around the, uh, you know, the road outside of the mountain. And these are very perilous roads, right? I mean, like, if you fall off, like, you're going way down. Yeah. Crap, truck up ahead. Brake. Oh, spam. This road has no shoulder. What? <laughs> spam? I don't like spam. <laughs> That's okay, dear. I'll have your spam. Spam, 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 spam. I knew that was coming, folks. Spam, spam. <laughs> Oh man, what's Cap doing? He'll be creamed. And then, so uh, D Man goes to the left, which is going up the mountain. Nomad is spinning out of control, going off the rail on off the side of the mountain, whereas Cap is just going straight up, and he slams on his brakes, and then he goes up onto the hood of the truck. Managed to, to break to a near halt before impact. Still, the truck must be going 40. This is going to hurt. Ha! Ah, two costume cretins run off the road, and a third about to become a hood ornament. Ugh. Managed not to splatter. Now, Mr. Hyde and Tantania. Who is this man? And then D-Man comes off riding the side of the mountain and, and um, 
turns around. What happened to Cap and Nomad? I totally lost track of them. While I was trying to negotiate the side of the mountain without wiping out. All this debris. Must be all that of left of Cap's cycle. I don't see any blood or, or worse, so I, I guess Cap must be in one piece despite the head-on collision. As for Nomad, he must have been forced over the cliff. Poor guy. Nothing I can do for him now. Better see if I can find Cap. So he pulls away. And then the uh, the motorcycle that Nomad was on falls to the bottom and blows up. But um, Jack is on the ledge. He found a ledge and he's climbing up. Hey, give me a hand down here. Nuts. I heard someone ride by without stopping. Oh, there you go. There's another reason for him to be pissed at Dean Man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. A mile down the mountain road, High's driving like a maniac, jerking the wheel back and forth, trying to dislodge me. Gotta hold on. Hyde, are you nuts? You're going to drive over the ledge. Slow down. Managed to get my shield off my back. Now to go on the offense. And he takes his shield and he breaks it through the windshield. Crash! And he hits Mr. Hyde right in the throat. I don't normally fight so viciously. But in Hyde's case, I'll make an exception. It was just a few months ago that he brutally beat Edwin Jarvis, the Avengers butler. The man has still not fully recovered. And that was in Avengers 274. That was a brutal story in Avengers. We'll have to cover that one of these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kill you for that. Hide the wheel, you moron. I better. And she grabs the wheel and yanks it off. Oops. Play patty cake all you want, Hide. I'm splitting. And she, she dives out of the, the truck. Got to keep Hide's hands away from my throat. And then Titania grabs the edge of the cliff. Whoa, don't know my own strength sometimes. Almost threw myself over the edge. Don't even know if my Titanic Bob would have survived a fall from this height. And then coming up on his motorcycle is D-Man. Hey, who's that chump? I don't recognize the costume. Well, since he's not in prison grace, he can't be any good. Think I'll borrow those wheels of his. So she takes the, the steering wheel she was holding onto and she tosses it at him. Shoot. He see me. He's spinning around. Huh? A woman. Oh, great. He made me ace the bike. It does. The, the wheel just goes through the motorcycle and takes it apart. Yeah. What did she throw at me? Some kind of bomb? All right, ma'am. That's obvious by your garb that you're an escapee. So once I escort you back to the vault, come and make me, big boy. She sure seems self-confident. Ma'am, I advise you not to resist. I'm quite strong. Last time I was tested, I pressed it 15 tons. And so she takes him and she tosses him over her shoulder off the ledge. Is that so? Well, last time I was tested, I pressed 85. Bon voyage, Boy Scout. (laughs) Next page, we see Jack who is trying to climb up the, the ledge and he, and he looks down and he sees he's on the same place that Vibro is. He's just above him. Don't know how, who this character below me is, but he sure looks like an escapee. Cool. He has some sort of power able to blast handholds into the face of the rock. 
well, as much as it's going to make me climb down a real chore, my job is to keep this creep from escaping. Better do it quickly before he notices me clambering around over his head and zaps me. <laughs> Vibro is like, exercise, bah. And so Jack throws his disc and hits him square in the chest and it just bounces off, which I don't get. I don't remember Vibro being strong, but whatever. He looks up and he's like, who? Uh-oh, he's letting loose with those force blasts. Got to move to the side. You up there, you threw that at me. Shake you down. Whoa, no, loosen rocks. Pulverize them. Huh, slipped, lost my grip. All right. Burrhead shook himself loose. Teach him to break out of stir. Wish Cap were here to see my little triumph. On second thought, he probably wouldn't have disapproved the way I did it. Cap's a bit of a wimp sometimes. Ouch. Yeah. Judgy? Judge much? Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, Just in case uh, Nathan is listening. Nathan is uh, one of the biggest nomad Jack Monroe fans out there. Hmm. Uh, you may want to, you may want to mute this. All right. Well, maybe Jack's a bit of a jerk sometimes. <laughs> there you go. Don't hold back, buddy. And the next page, we see D-Man falling from the sky. Meanwhile, I'm going to die. Dame must have thrown me a thousand feet. Nothing to grab onto. Break my fall for for miles and miles. I'm going to hit hard. Break open. Paint some rock red. My heart beating like thunder. That'll even be conscious when I hit. At least I went out fighting alongside Cap. That's what I really wanted more than anything else. Make Cap the beneficiary of my will. He, He can use my small fortune to carry on his work. So long, Cap. Think well of... And then just then, Sam flies up next to him. Hang loose, Big D. Almost match speeds. Huh? Gotcha. Now I'd like you to meet a playmate of mine. Oh, did I say meet? I meant beat. <laughs> and he grabs D-Man by the feet and then swings him over to Griffin, who is following him. And D-Man punches Griffin in the face. Going to live. Nice punch, D-Man. You really dazed him. In fact, the way he's circling, I think he's going to pass out at any moment. Well, I'd hate to see the scenery spoiled by fur and feathers, so I better get go escort him down. Thanks for the assist. Thank. I'm not going to die after all. And then below, there's Vagabond. She's in the van. And she's listening on her Walkman. And she's she's got a little bubble gum going, with a little mm-hmm. bubble coming out of her mouth. And mm-hmm. she's snapping her fingers. And she's got her eyes closed. Very 80s, Bob. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Right? Yeah. And then she's uh, she's listening. And she's like, if, if it's not for this Walkman, I'd go bonkers. What's she listening to, Bob? A little bit of Michael J. The yeah, King of it, Pop. How's it go? <laughs> Because I'm bad, I'm bad, you know it. Shimon. (laughs) 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 Hee hee. 
And then coming up in the rear view mirror is Armadillo. Mm. Ever since Jack took up with the big boys, all they've had me do is sit around. Just once I'd like to get into the action. Sure, I have no training, but I bet there's not all that much to it. And then the claw comes up. Above, Hyde's luck has finally been done in by his bad driving. I managed to see the curve coming just in time to bail out. Looks like Hyde did too. Don't know if that's cause for me to be thankful or disappointed. So we get to the next page and the truck goes over the edge. I'm thankful, I guess. A car crash is too good for that maniac. Hyde needs to be taken down up close and personal. My attacker has the agility and tenacity of Captain America. Could it be him in other garb? Why would that flag-waving fool forsake his colors? Bah, I'll ask his corpse. And he takes up a piece of iron from the guardrail, and he comes up to hit him, but Cap puts his shield up at the last moment. Slow and clumsy, Hyde. Just what I've come to expect from you. And then he hits him in the gut. And then he punches an uppercut. Looks like he takes out some teeth. What's the matter, mister? Where are the empty threats that made you the laughingstock of the criminal community? Ah, kill! And then he hits him in the the head with the shield. Where's that devastating strength that enables you to carry your bulk in the mess hall three times a day? And then he kicks him behind the knee to take out his leg. Where's that renowned animal cunning and bestial rage that enables you to lick your weight in bound up butlers? And then he hits him in the gut again with the shield. You, you're going to die slowly, horribly, little man. Not today, Hyde, and not by you. And he dives at at Steve and then Steve steps out of the way and he takes his shield and hits Hyde in the back of the head as he's passing by my needling really got his goat his lunge was sloppy easy to sidestep Ah! and he falls over the edge but he's holding on to the broken piece of rail and Steve goes over to the edge and he looks down at the dangling Mr. Hyde, you have less than 10 seconds before your weight pulls out that guardrail. Help me, please. I want you to use that time to think about a good, decent man who you viciously injured. A man who will never walk again without a limp. Who will never see out one eye. You thinking about that, Hyde? Good. And then he turns and he walks away. Help! Next page, we see Cap getting that piece of metal that was ripped off. If I ever regret my commitment to preserving life at all costs, it's now. And he uses that metal to give it to High to hold on to as he pulls him up. Down the winding mountain road, we see Titania running down the road. And we see D-Man behind um, kind of a hidden area um, on the side of the mountain. I hear somebody running. It doesn't sound like Cap. It's the woman who threw me off the mountain. 
I should... No, I don't want to fight her again. She's too strong for me. I just get thrown off the mountain again. The other guys will never know. I, I chickened out. And then soon, uh, Vagabond comes up in the in the van. Captain, hi. I thought it made it clear she was to stay out of harm's way. Sorry I didn't stay away, but I brought a visitor. Who? Fellow's name is Armadillo. I talked him into giving himself up. The girl was very nice to me. Made me realize the shame in what I was going to do. And then Cap just rubs the back of his head and looks a little surprised. Well, I'll be. Next, Cap versus Iron Man. I got to say, Bob, when I, uh, that, that previous page, that last panel, mm-hmm. when Steve said, are you thinking about that, Hyde? Good. And then he turns and walks away. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, he didn't. No. Is he going to let him die? But he, he didn't. knew he wasn't going to. I don't know. Come on. We're talking about, you know, Jarvis, right? We're talking about yeah. Jarvis, you know, and. You know yeah. how he he was horrible to him. I, yeah. I don't know. I for a split second there, I did think I was like, "Wow, he's gonna." Now in the back of my mind, he's like, "He's he's me- he's Captain America, right? He measures, you know. Well, he's this strong. He's this, you know, this weight. This is how far up he's going to be. You know, how does this fall? He'll 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 survive, but he'll have injuries. You know, right. like yeah, like that's, that's what point. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He wouldn't like to actually let him die, but he would let him potentially get injured right yeah all right this next issue is uh captain america 341 this had a cover date of may of 1988 you know what's happened in may 1988 bob well i know what was happening for me but what else was happening uh i graduated high school oh wow wow all right may of 1988 yeah i was getting ready to ship off to officer candidate school Hmm. Yeah. Did you pass? Um, I did. I did pass. Yeah. Who'd you bribe? <laughs> I would have if I could have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so this came out in May of 1988. And the solicitation for this one is now that Iron Man has turned renegade, the captain has decided to bring him in but his old friend and ally isn't coming quietly. Meanwhile, the world meets the new Captain America's partner, Battlestar. And, as if that weren't enough, an all-out war is breaking out within the Sinister Serpent Society. <clears throat> so this cover, uh, just like the other two, um, were uh, penciled by Ron Friends, uh, but, the, but this one has been inked by Al Milgram, and it's Iron Man in the foreground, in his white and red costume, battling the captain in the background. And if it looks blocky, if it looks odd, um, it's because it has a style that is like 20-some years earlier Mm. by Jack Kirby. So uh, this is an homage to Daredevil 43. Are you sure it's not a swipe? Now, I know you're referring 
to a conversation <laughs> that we've had on the Captain America comic book fans Facebook group. Um, somebody had posted an image um, of actually John Walker as the Super Patriot versus um, a, a character that um, Joe Simon created. And uh, yes, we had a, a, a little bit of a uh, conversation with Jesse Simon, Joe Simon's grandson, who's also a member of the group. Um, and the difference between a swipe and an homage. Um, we have different definitions. I'll just say for me, I think a swipe is negative, but um, he doesn't. And, and, and some others do not uh-huh. consider a swipe to be negative. I, I, my definition seems to be, but um but to me, this is an homage, right? Yeah. Because you have uh, clearly a cover that Jack Kirby did for Daredevil 43. And here we have Ron Friends uh, recreating this cover. But instead of it being Captain America and Daredevil, it's Iron Man and the Captain. Yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 go, with a, I go with homage. I go with homage here because it's an obvious attempt to um, pay tribute to the Daredevil cover. Yep. So uh, this one, writer, Mark Runewald, penciler, Kieran Dwyer, inker, Al Milgram. But now we have our friend of the show, Bob Sharon, back on the series as colorist. Letterer, Jack Morelli, and editor, Ralph Macchio. Um, And then this issue actually has three different parts to the story, but uh, the creators are the same uh, throughout all three parts. So we get to this uh, opening, and the splash page is Steve in his captain uniform, sitting in a chair in the shadows, waiting in Tony Stark's apartment. And he's sitting there with his mask off, but holding the shield. And the title to this one is... Break In. The Pacific Mansion of Millionaire Inventor Anthony Stark. He's here, finally. Welcome to my humble abode, Don. Humble, Tony. Darling, I doubt Prince Charles' castle is glitzy as this. So, Tony, wearing a suit, carrying a briefcase, comes in with this uh, uh, attractive woman wearing a very slinky dress. The wet bar is just across the room. Fix yourselves whatever you'd like. Sure. What's your pleasure? Same as yours, I hope. As for what I'm drinking, a Perrier with lime, please. A Perrier. <laughs> Perrier, product placement. Uh, I, I said it wrong. A Perrier. <laughs> I was laughing at myself. Whatever turns you on, big guy. And then just then, Steve pivots in his swivel chair. Dun, dun, dun. What? 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 Tony, who's that? A friend of Iron Man's. You managed to outwit all of my security devices, Captain. I'm, I'm impressed. I've designed them myself. Let's cut the chit-chat and get down to business in private. Very well. And he picks up a, a landline. Wow. Tony notes actors, politicians, and industrialists and superheroes. Don't recognize this one, but what a bod. Lewis. I'm going to need you to drive Miss Lovett home. 
She'll be right down. Tony, you promised. Sorry, Don. Wouldn't do this if it weren't very important, you know that. I'll make up to you. I promise. Her. I can't believe this. I heard he was one guy who really knew how to treat a lady. And the door closes behind her. Next page. Steve's still seated. And he looks at Tony. I take it you've come here to tell me how very disappointed you are about what happened between us at the vault last week. That goes without saying. They actually have three other reasons. First is to return this shield. And he flicks the shield at Tony and hits him in the stomach. Oof! I made this for Steve at his request when the government impounded the shield he used as Captain America. I could tell how much he liked this thing when he held it. It must be tearing him up to give it back. Second, I came to tell you how much damage you did by incapacitating the guards at the vault. You caused a power outage, enabling five dangerous criminals to escape, two of whom are still at large. I'm sorry. If I had known, I would have third, and Steve stands. And lastly, I've come to turn you over to the authorities for your various offenses. Come on, Steve, you can't be serious. In the next panel is just a close-up on Steve's eyes. I'd say they look serious. He uh, is serious. Yeah. He is serious. I can't let him do that. Catch! And he tosses a shield at Steve. I actually hoped he'd come along quietly. I need what's in here. And he grabs the briefcase. And he gets behind his bedroom door. Made it. And Steve takes the shield and he tosses it behind him and jumps over the couch. He made the shield for me as some sort of bribe, hoping to buy off my involvement in the guardsman affair. Now that I've given it back to him, I refuse to use it. I'll just have to batter down his bedroom door with my, it's opening. And he comes out in his red and white Iron Man uniform. All right, Steve. Now, how about we talk this over? Man to Iron Man. Save your breath. He puts his mask back on as if he's getting ready for a fight. Next page. I don't care if you are wearing the most sophisticated personal weapon system ever devised. I'm taking you in. He's still advancing. I hoped one look at my armor would dissuade him. Don't make me fight you, Steve. Come along quietly and there'll be no fight. And Iron Man swats Steve's hand away. You must know I can't do that. It would mean giving up my armor, my identity, my very fight for justice. You should have considered that before you went outside the law. And he jumps over Tony, gets behind him, and he tries to do a wrestle move behind Iron Man's head. Despite the differences in our power levels, I have the advantage here. I can't imagine Tony using his armor's full power right here in his own home. I have to admire your courage, Captain, but there's no way on earth you're going to win this one. And he takes him and he flips him very easily over his shoulder. Whoa, that effortless flip nearly sent me through the wall. And he topples over the couch. Anyone ever tell you how mule-headed you are, Steve? You get an idea, like taking me in. And no matter how absurd it is, you pursue it. 
with maniacal intensity. Listen to me. I have valid reasons for crossing the authorities as I did. It was my technology the guardsmen were employing, but I don't know any of them. There's no telling what harm that armor could cause in the wrong hands. Harm that I would be indirectly responsible for. It's better that I neutralize it so the worst cannot come to pass. Don't you see that? I see that what you do was way out of line and caused just the sort of harm you claim you wanted to prevent. And as Iron Man is floating, Steve grabs his legs behind him. How'd he do that so fast? Easiest way to make him let go. And he does something to make his boots glow. And, and Steve yells and lets go. Channeled some sort of energy through the armor. Look, Cap, despite our years of friendship, I can no more expect you to understand or approve of what I had to do than you can expect me to understand why you gave up being Cap. This has become a matter of honor, mister. A concept I thought you knew something about. This is pointless. I'm never going to convince him I'm justified in my course of action. I best end this quickly before any real harm is done. Sorry to have to do this, Cap. And he fires out of his chest, Ray. And he hits Steve. But it's time we brought this little scuffle to a halt. Don't worry. The effects of my high-density beam will fade in a few minutes. If, if I only had the shield, I could have deflected his beam. Let's face facts here. There's no way you could take me in against my will. This fight is a waste of our precious time. I am leaving now, and I don't intend to return here or anywhere you might think of looking for me until my mission is accomplished. I promise you this, Steve. When I have finished what I have to do, I'll look you up, and we'll have a long talk about ethics. Then he flies away. You have my word. And then Steve gets up, pulls his mask down. Gone. And I have no doubt he has the resources to elude me unless I were to devote all my time and efforts tracking him down. Then there'd still be the problem of overpowering that incredible armor of his. Where do my priorities lie? Would it be worthwhile to forgo all my other responsibilities in order to bring the, to justice one renegade Avenger on a misguided quest? No. It would be far better to give Tony Stark another chance to restore his tarnished honor and keep his word to me. The end of that story. Before we get to the next story, Bob, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I do. I think Steve is completely misguided here. This, this, is, this is a crazy story from my perspective. And yeah. the fact that he just, he, he like threw away the shield, which he could have used to deflect the ray, right? Just uh, out of a peak of, you know, being upset at Tony because Tony made it for him. It just seems very uncharacteristic of Steve. Yeah, it's, it is disappointing. I agree. It's disappointing in that Steve's reacting this way. I mean, you can, I think, I think they're both wrong, mm-hmm. right? I think Iron Man, I see his point of what, what he's trying to do, but maybe his methods are not good, right? Like I, 
I, I don't think ends justify the means here, right? So I, I think I think his his goal is good, but his methods are are poor, you know, and he's he's putting people in harm's way, he's going against authorities. He 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 could have done this differently. Um but and Steve's only seeing that. Mm-hmm. It's all black and white with him, which you know, maybe as this story develops, he'll learn that there's some gray and mm-hmm. that he he can't he can't be, you know, everyone's policeman. Right. Yeah. It's just it's interesting, uh, you know, at this point in the story <clears throat> that he is is sort of taking this, um, you know, this position, because if anybody knows that. Maybe all the time we shouldn't trust the government. Right, the authorities, right? We can't always take them at their word. And we do have to be a bit circumspect. As you know, and, and Tony's rightfully concerned about the this armored equipment falling into the wrong hands and being used inappropriately by a government that we know has used things inappropriately before. So yeah, it, I mean, it, it, he, he seems to be very black and white, to, uh, Steve is at this point. Yeah, I agree. And so that's what makes it interesting because, you know, as his character um, still is not perfect and he has some faults and he can grow. All right. Next story. We have a, like you can see, this isn't, this isn't Mark Grunewald, like writing something, intertwining different stories. No, he, he's separated this particular issue into three different stories. Mm -hmm. Like you're getting a you're getting three stories for in one comic. Um, this next one is titled Captain America: Free Speech. Yes. Now, free speech. This story stars John Walker as Cap and Lamar Hoskins as no longer Bucky. Um, and this is actually a continuation, kind of from the fallout of captain america 333 um that was when john walker uh had his manager um you know ether remember him mm-hmm. and then the 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 two guys uh the other the other part of the buckies that you know the, um they didn't remember they didn't pass the background check right, right. so yeah um so uh, I think with Hector and Jerome, right? Right. Um, so this story is a fallout from from that, Captain America 333. And then we see here um, in this splash page, it's no longer Lamar Hoskin, Hoskins as Bucky, but he's got his Battlestar costume on. And the Battlestar costume, it looks different. Um, he's got black boots, uh, blue pants and trunks um, and a blue middle and then he's had uh, red on his upper chest and his arms and then his gloves and the star in the middle are white and then his collar is white which kind of sticks up but he still has that shield that heater shield but he has a and a blue domino mask private quarters at fort george m meade army base is a special powers unit and we see Lamar there. Ta-da! How do I look, Johnny? Phew! You look great, Lamar. 
though I was expecting something to resemble your Bucky uniform a bit more. This is what the outfitters came up with. I couldn't get the commission to approve even the slightest alteration to my on this cap uniform. Tell me, again, how you managed to convince these stuffed shirts to let you change your whole image. Sure. Let me cut to the next page. And there he is with, um, uh, I guess, well, frankly, he looks like a guy wearing a watchdog costume, but I can't be it. Yeah, but you think he's a guardsman or something. Yeah. When we were at the vault earlier this week, helping them get the place back under control, one of the guards took me aside. And it, and it, and it's, um, yeah, one of the, one of the guards, um, and he's, and he's black. Uh, and I, I only point that out because it's important to this story. Appreciate seeing another high profile black superhero and can imagine how proud you were to get the job. But what kind of name is Bucky? That's the name of the original Cap's original partner. I know that. A young white kid who died 40 years ago. You ask me, that's not a fitting name for a black man who's the same age as Cap and has the same power as Cap and is bigger to boot. Not only that, in some parts of the country, Buck is an offensive term for a, a black man. You ask me, I think this government stuck you with that name to keep you in your place. Hmm. Last thing he said was, son, our people don't have that many superheroes we can call our own. That's why every one of you has to stand tall, be something we can all be proud of. So when we got back yesterday, I, I talked to the commission about, about it, and he was quite reasonable about it all. While you work on your big speech, I was working with the designers on this. So what will you be calling yourself now? Battlestar. Sounds great. And fortunately, since you haven't appeared in public yet, you won't have to explain the name change. Yep. Well, Battlestar, let's get a move on. The American public awaits. And they get next page, and they're at um, the National Monument that afternoon in Washington, D.C. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, members of the fourth estate, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Captain America. And here's Cap and Bowstar taking the stage. My fellow Americans, I'm a man of action, not words. So let me get straight to the reason why this press conference was called. I am not the original Captain America. I'm his hand-picked successor. What? Thought he sounded different. Still a hunk. Quiet. I want to hear this. How dare. Several months ago, after years of meritorious service, the original Captain America retired. Your government was faced with a dilemma. Whether to retire the very concept of Captain America or find someone with the ability to take his place. They decided America still needs a Captain America. And after an exhaustive search, they chose me. Now, I know what you're thinking. How could anyone possibly live up to a legend? Well, I haven't yet. But I have scored a few impressive victories in the past few months. Though I don't have the original years of experience yet, I'm younger and stronger than he is, and I also have the best partner a true American 
could ask for. Battlestar, why don't you come up here and say hello to America? Hi, America. Um, I got to tell you, I, I've been in some pretty rough situations I, since I signed up as Cap's partner, but I've never done anything as scary as talking to the whole nation. Looking good. She, he's taller than Cap. What a regular guy. Mm-hmm. And then there's a helicopter coming in. But there's a huge crowd here, right? Indeed. So I would just like to say I'm, I'm going to be working hard to make you proud. That newscopter zooming over the crowd. I don't like how long it's flying. I think, yes, I see some people climbing out on its rope ladders. This looks like bad news. And then Battlestar goes on. And to keep America safe from, uh, folks, don't panic, but slowly, calmly duck for cover. Officer, see if you can't start evacuating the front section. Who's in that copter? One of Cap's old enemies? Please, please don't panic. We can handle it. Stop pushing. I'd love to whip my shield to whoever that scene stealers are. But if I were to damage the chopper, it might fall off the crown. Can't do do a thing but just stand here like a jerk and whoever's on the ladders get within striking distance greetings cretins don't mind us we're just here to add to the hoopla that voice sounds awfully familiar cap what's it's jerome and hector our old buddies of the bold urban commandos let's move it hold people don't panic we come in peace I'm the right winger, and this here's the left winger, and we're America's superheroes, just like the two you just met. As an exercise in free speech, we'd like to tell you something about our esteemed colleagues here. Did you know that this new Captain America is actually John F. Walker of Custer's Grove, Georgia? And Cap and, and Battlestar are running towards them. That rat's tail just revealed my identity. To the whole blinking nation. And Battlestar is oof. And John comes up and kicks him in the face. You traitor. Nice to see you again too, Johnny. I really missed our old sparring sessions. And just then he pulls out from his belt. The Liberty Torch that, uh, that John used to have. As for who's a traitor. I say it was you and Lamar for ditching your old pals when we got this, you got this establishment gig. That torch. I used to use that when I was a super patriot. And then Lamar goes up to Hector. What's wrong with you, Hector? I thought you two had more sense than this. No way are you going to get away with this. Whoopie doopie. Where'd they ever teach you to talk so white? Since you can't take a hint to shut your mouth, Heck, maybe I'll just shut it for you. And he punches him. And then Hector punches him back. Maybe your augmented strength impresses the yokels, but not a guy who's got going through the same process. And then just then, here's uh I don't know, is this a swipe or an homage, Bob? This next panel is as um Lamar 
No, I'm sorry, not Lamar. We see uh, right wing taking a torch and coming down onto John as he's holding his, he's kneeling and holding a shield. That looks just like the cover, right? Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Zick did. Yeah. We never ditched you too, Jerry. I had the feds check you guys out to see if you could work for them too. It wasn't my fault. You guys had lousy backgrounds. You made your own luck. And he knocks him with the shield and the crowd's all backing away. Think you're hot spit with that garbage can lid, huh, Johnny? You ain't nothing special. And wearing that old FUD's suit didn't make one bit of a difference. Glad to see the feds didn't teach you to fight any better than you used to, Lemmy. Oh, yeah? And he punches him with his shield and nails him back. If this is all stage, you sure made it look convincing. How's it feel to, to be made look like a chump at your own coming out party, Johnny? I could see the headline news. New cap stomped. Or how about is cap a sap? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're a sap, Johnny. I'm just saying you're a sellout. You sold us out, and you sold out your own integrity by taking over that old creep. Just shut up, Jerry. Shut up. And he kicks him in the face. And then the two are subdued. Huh? Serve a secret men. They must have finished ushering all the politicians to safety. And they do. They all come in with their guns. One move and your dog meat. Easy, secret Sam. Easy. Don't get twitchy. I surrender already. Don't worry, Captain. We've got them now. Cap? The charade's over, Jerome. You're going to have to do some hard time for your reckless endangerment. So what? We still won. No, we beat you. But we upstaged you two. Made you look bad by giving you a hard fight and revealed your ID to the whole nation. Don't worry, Lamar. We'll find a way to get your real name out to the public, too. Come along quietly. And the two walk away. And then it's just John and Lamar. He's right. They did win. Our public relations department is going to have a coronary trying to make us look good after this bungled start. Who would have thought that our old army pals would have been this resentful at our big break? Chin up, Cap. At least no one's hurt. Besides, it wasn't our fault. The public won't hold it against us. I hope you're right, Buck. Uh, Battlestar. The end. Any thoughts on that story? Woo! I don't know what to say about that one. You know, I, I did like that. Uh, I felt like John was, is finally starting to come into his own a little bit, right? He's, he's finally starting to recognize that the job isn't as easy as he thought it was. And that maybe Steve, you know, had something, uh, had earned something, had worked for something uh, and it wasn't all given to him. And that he did, he does have a way to go to f- uh, fill those uh, Buccaneer boots, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like that speech. Although he's still he's still about him, right? Yeah. He's still right. He's like, What are you talking about? We beat you. 
you know? Yeah. Like well, that was the yeah. the macho thing, right? Yeah. No, we beat you. Yeah. All right. Next story. Last story is uh, the one about the Serpent Society. And this one is called In Our Midst. And it's a big splash page of all of the uh, the different Serpent Society characters. So you have the classic Serpent Society, and then you have the new ones that um, they just, uh, you know, got rescued from the prison. So we have Sidewinder sitting in a, in a throne almost, and then they, he's holding court with all these different characters. The main briefing room at the headquarters of the Mercenary Serpent Society, Sidewinder presiding. First item of business. I'd like to welcome to our ranks four new candidates for membership. Fur de Lance, Puff Adder, Copperhead, and the Black Racer. You may all be seated. Now, this is a, um, a follow-up to um, a few issues ago that we covered in the last episode, issue 338. Um, so that was the, the story that, you know, where they were in the, in Vegas. Let me reiterate the purpose of our group for the benefit of our newcomers. In essence, the Serpent Society is a trade union dedicated to giving craftsmen of our particular persuasion the best pay, benefits, and work conditions possible. Alone, scattered across the country, each one of us was reasonably successful at our chosen vacation, crime. But banded together, we are phenomenally successful. Each founding member of our guild cleared over a million dollars last year alone. In a recent escapade in Las Vegas, you four new applicants demonstrated the technical skills and sheer audacity necessary to belong to our group. Yet, it remains to be seen if you truly have what it takes to be one of us. Over your next three months of probation, you will have ample opportunity to prove yourselves. We'll speak of pending assignments tomorrow at 9 a.m. sharp. Meeting dismissed. Charter members, please be so kind as to show our candidates to their quarters. And then we have uh, Black Mamba coming up to Sidewander. Tonight at the usual times, I wonder. Of course, my dear Black Mamba. Next page, and we have um, Diamondback. Diamondback oh. is uh, is showing Fur Delance into her lovely room. Here's your room. It's not the Ritz, but compared to some of the dives I've stayed in, it's Buckingham Palace. Gracias, Demenbach. You can call me Rachel. I am Teresa. May I ask you something? Our jefe Sidewonder, what is he like? Does he have a woman? From his voice, he sounds more than macho. Ha! Don't get any ideas, Terry. Mama has dibs on him, and she will fight anyone trying to muscle in. Take my word for it. I've tried. But if it's a good time you want, I can fix you up with the Rattler. When he starts shaking that tail of his, I will sleep on it. 
Buenas noches, Rachel. Good night. Foo. All of them. To think any of the four of us are serious about joining this Mickey Mouse Club. I must search this room for bugs, then activate the signal beacon. Minutes later, Vebora, you are here. And then appearing into the site is we see the back of a character. <laughs> Bob likes it. <laughs> Muy bueno. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's obviously the Viper, but but mm. they are not showing who it is at this moment. I can tell from this angle. <laughs> it's it's the droopy holsters, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That is patently obvious, woman. Give me your full report. And soon, this is Black Mama's room. It's open. Sorry to disturb you, senorita, but I have someone who wants to meet you. And then, finally, out of the shadows, we see in the mirror, huh? You're, you're, I know who I am. And then she pulls out her pistol and zaps her. Oh, help me put on that ridiculous outfit of hers and she was dressed as a not so ridiculous it's not so ridiculous no let's not be judgy you know right exactly it's just a sexy french maid outfit yeah right yeah you know soon and then we see sidewinder but he's he's just uh in his civilian, he's he's he's. I guess he's got a smoking jacket on, yeah, according to Bob. Yeah, he's got a bit of a Jarvis look going on. He does. He looks like Jarvis because yeah, he, he's got he's bald, but he's rocking the the full set of hair, uh-huh. you know, from yeah. the side and back. The wings got the little mustache going on. Yeah, and he's smoking a pipe. I like that bed. That the head that the heads. What is it with the headboard of the bed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that big snake head. Nice. Still owes us from the Sumatron rat affair. Have to send Anaconda out to collect. Hmm. This offer from Hydra sounds promising. Might be a Bushmaster's alley. And then walking in is the Viper instead of Black Mamba in the outfit, carrying a tray with drinks and food. Just let me finish going over today's printout, Tanya, darling. I'm almost done. Pathetically predictable. He hasn't even looked up. Look at this. Says here Cornelius Van Lund died in a plane crash. Guess we can forget about Zodiac paying us back. Hmm. And she gets on the bed behind him, puts her hands on his shoulder. Just one more page, dear. Is that a new perfume she's wearing? And then she uses her fangs and she bites his neck. Ah! You're not Tanya. He managed to retch away. My cloak. I must reach it. I feel so shaky. It must have injected me with a poison. That cloak of his has teleportation circuitry. Much like my ring. I must stop him before he... And she dives for him. But he teleports away. 
no matter. He can't get far. And in the three minutes, he'll be dead from that snake venom I injected in him in any way. And with that posturing non-entity's death, the viper can take her rightful place as leader of the serpent society. And she pulls off uh, her headdress. Um, you know what? In, a, in this last panel, totally got a burn look. John Byrne. I, uh, I'm just mesmerized, Rick. <laughs> the, the little French man. Uh-huh. And then the green hair and the green lipstick. Yeah. Oh, it's taking me back. <laughs> oh, taking you back to a day you were dating someone with green hair. <laughs> and green hair. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's purple hair, but whatever. Oh. Yeah. And then we get to the next page, and then there's Rachel in her leotard and her leggings as she's uh, working out. Oh, she's got the little uh, furry uh, wrist wristbands too oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah she's rocking the dumbbell and then we have um signwinder shows up diamondback must help me poisoned what signwinder what happened who did this to you ferdilands he's starting to convulse gotta act fast hold on boss where did i hear thank goodness and she goes in her medicine uh, cabinet in her ba- bathroom and i thought having a bottle of this was somebody's idea of a joke head back open wide it's a, it's, it's a snake venom in you cause universal antitoxin ought to neutralize it and then there's people knocking on the door bang, bang, bang. sounds like we have company use cloak get away and there was puff at her Boom, coming through the door. Well, Bob, I love where this story's going, right? We 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 had the buildup of John Walker. We had the buildup of Steve Rogers. He finally is is in costume as the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing him in action. We're seeing him uh, struggle with some things. Um, you know, the story with Tony... Um, you know, the story with, um, with the, 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 the outbreak of, of the vault, it's all good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very fast paced. I mean, it's moving along, it's switching back and forth. Um, you know, I think that's one of the, one of the most clever things with this whole road to the captain and the captain series is that there's two parallel stories going along and periodically they, they intersect uh, but it moves the action along faster, right? You get you get twice the value for the money. I gotta tell you, late eighties, this was top of the game. Yeah, the storytelling. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark Grunwald was was at his his peak, you know, with this this whole long story. Indeed, indeed. I can't wait to cover the next one. So the next one, we'll come back and we will cover. The Captain Part 3, which is issue 342 and 344. And I got some news for you, Bob. What? We're going to have a guest join us to go through those three issues. Well, that's going to be fun. Yeah. So one of the the perks of being a patron of the show, there's different levels, right? But if you're at the top level, which is the super soldier level, Mm-hmm. You get to be a guest on the show. You get to be uh, pick the topic. 
And um, James Foley, who's a super soldier patron, um, this coming up, when we cover uh, these these next three issues to this story, which is 342 through 344, happened to be James' favorite Captain America issues. So he's like, I want to be on that. So he's going to join us. So we're going to go through those three issues panel by panel. But this time we'll have James Foley with us. That's great. And I think we've had James on the show once before, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. We we learned a bit about his background, how we first got into Cap. And uh, it was that was a great show. Yeah, that was back in episode 25, if anybody wants to 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 check that out. But we did cover um, some of those issues from the captain storyline because again that was he was a winner of a contest um, so that was a year over a year ago um, and so here here he is back again and we right. we, we will have talked with James he's a great guy um, so it'll be a lot of fun having him on the show so um, that will be as I said in episode ninety two so come back um, for the second Wednesday in July for that one. Um, but next episode, Bob, in episode 88, we are going back to modern time in the year 2022, and we are going to cover Captain America, symbol of truth, number one. So that is the launch of the Sam Wilson ongoing Cap series that we talked about with Alana last mm-hmm. episode, and we're going to cover that one panel Ooh, by panel. That's going to be awesome. Looking yeah. forward to that one. Yeah, it's a great issue. Great story. Um, so we're looking forward to that. So come back next episode 88 and we'll cover that. All right, Bob. Uh, anything else you want to go through? I don't think so, Rick. This has been a great uh, a great experience there doing this with you. And I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. Well, it's been fun wrapping cap with you, Bob, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Ferbonis. And as always, you've been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fan.